stand on its own. It's connected with what was shared last Sunday and will be connected with what was going to be shared next Sunday and the Sunday after that. So if you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you uh, to go back and watch that because they're connected together. They're built upon one another. All of these four messages are are not independent messages but are all uh, connected together. I want to encourage you as well. On our website, in our uh, bulletin online, there's a section for taking notes. And so uh, if you're one of those people that work better with writing some notes or following along on a guide, I want to encourage you to go to our website as well, uachome.org, and go to the take notes section, and you'd be able to take notes to follow along with what we're doing. And so last week, we started this series on discipleship. And if you noticed our discipleship pathway at the back there that talks about being a disciple, um, growing as a disciple, which is our focus about today, and making disciples. And it's a circle because it's something that happens continuously, but it also is something that happens in community. The Lord did not want us to do this journey on our own. We're not meant to be solo disciples. Actually, there's no such thing as a solo disciple. We, to be a disciple is to be journeying together in community with others. To be a disciple is to, to travel together, to work with one another, uh, to support one another, pray for one another. And towards that end, this month of October, we're having our life group trials. And so uh, after the service finishes today, there'll be a short 15-minute coffee break. And for those that have joined a life group, uh, you're going to be connecting to those groups that you were there last week. And uh, if you're not in a, a life group, I want to encourage you to see Pastor Leonor in the lobby after the service. And she can connect you to a life group if you'd like to join. But the, the, the three words that I want you to remember as we journey through this discipleship series is be, grow, and make. Can we say that together? Be, grow, and make. To be disciples, to grow as disciples, and to make disciples. To be a disciple, to grow as a disciple, and to make disciples. And last week we talked a little bit about what does it actually look like in maybe a little bit uh, in terminology that might be a little bit better to understand. And so it's like this. Be a disciple is to be with Jesus. We talked about that last week, right? The next part to grow as a disciple is to become like Jesus. This is what we're going to focus on today, to grow as a disciple, become like Jesus. And the third part is to make disciples is to do what? Is to do what Jesus did. So let me go back to the first, uh, the first one again. And can you just say this with me? So I think as we repeat this, as we say it, uh, you're going to hear me saying it over and over again, not just in our discipleship series, but even in other uh, uh, times throughout the year. We're going to be talking about what it is to be a disciple. Okay, so let's say this together. Be a disciple is to be with Jesus. Okay, to grow as a disciple is to become like Jesus and to make disciples is to do what Jesus did. So putting all of those three together, we get our definition, what we shared last week, of what it is to be a disciple. A disciple of Jesus is someone who spends time with him, becomes like him, and does what he does. So to be a disciple is someone who spends time with him or is a disciple, becomes like him, growing as a disciple, and does what he does, which is to make disciples. And if that's a little bit too long for you, here's a simpler definition that we shared last week as well, which I think is what terminology that we might be able to understand a little bit better. A disciple is an apprentice of Jesus. We are called to apprentice with Jesus. We are called to journey with him so that we can be with him, be like him, and do what he did. 
And as we do that, we become apprentices of Jesus. It's not an instantaneous transformation, right? As the example I gave yesterday, I don't become an amazing piano player overnight. I can't think my way into holiness. I can't think my way out of my addiction and say, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to do this again. But it's a transforming work as we apprentice with Jesus, as we be with him, as we become like him, and as we do what he did. I like the way that John Mark Comer says it. He says it like this. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, I'll stop right there. How many people would like to experience the life of Jesus? Can I see your hands? Would you like to experience the life of Jesus? Well, the second part is you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And that's not always easy. With our busy world and all of the things that are going around in our world, there's a lot of things that are happening. It makes us live such a hurried lifestyle. But if we want to have the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. We have to learn to be like him. And that might require us cutting out a lot of things in our life. That might require us being a little bit more minimalistic in the busy, compacted world that we live in so that we can make room and space for the disciplines and the practices of Jesus, so that we can make room for the way of Jesus in our life as we apprentice with him. And so that's, that's really critical and really important uh, in our life. Uh, now, before we get to uh, understanding how we grow as a disciple, I want us to understand one thing first, that we are all formed in some way, okay? We are all spiritually formed. We are all spiritual beings. We're not just physical beings of flesh and blood, but we are also spiritual beings, and we are all formed in some way or form. And it depends on us if we're going to make that intentional formation or allow it to be unintentional formation. All of us are unintentionally formed to the person that we are. I'm standing here before you. I'm a person that has, has been formed, some unintentionally and some very intentionally. And all of us are in that. Some of us are more formed unintentionally than we are formed intentionally. And if we want to apprentice with Jesus, that requires an intentional decision for character formation. I'll share with you a few things, five things that I think are big categories that are unintentional formation, spiritual formation in our life. Without thinking about this, without even um, trying to do any of these things, these things form us. The first thing is that we're unintentionally formed by our family background and history. The family that we are born in has certain values and has certain things that they hold dear. And because of that, the family that we're born in, the history of our family, also forms us and shapes us into the person that we are today. All of us come from different backgrounds and different experiences, different life experiences, different families, different cultures, different ethnicities, all of those things. And the values that each family holds and the experiences they they go through form us unintentionally. Some of these things we can't choose. And the rest of the things that I'm going to share, I just want to say, including this, I'm not saying one, one is bad and the other is good, or some are good and some are bad. I think all of these five that I'm going to share with you, some can be good and some can be bad. It depends what it is. But we, if we are to, if we are to uh, uh, have intentional formation to the character of Christ, if we are to apprentice with Jesus in the way of Jesus, then there needs to be some intentional decisions for formation. Another thing that unintentionally forms us is friends. The people that we hang around with. You know, there's a saying, you become like the people that you are with. 
right? Or here's another saying, bad company corrupts good manners. You ever heard one of that saying before? Well, we become like the people that we are around as well. And so even unintentionally, when we hang around with people, uh, when we spend time with our friends, we become like them. And so choosing good friends is something that's really critical and important. The cultural setting in which we are in, living here in Toronto, growing up in Toronto, in the GTA, in one of the greatest multicultural cities in the world, growing up in Canada, the cultural setting that we are in also forms us and changes us. We would be different people if we grew up in Europe or if we grew up in Australia or Africa or another place. The cultural setting, we would be different people if we grew up in south of the border from us in the United States. But the cultural setting that we are in as well unintentionally forms us. Whether it's good or bad, we are formed by the cultural setting that is around us. Another thing that forms us is our education. This can be intentional as well as you get older, but particularly for younger children as they go through the education system, there's an unintentional formation that happens. Now, this can be a greater conversation because nowadays there's a lot of talk of what happens in the education system, particularly at the elementary levels, and there's a lot of uh, parents that are concerned about what is being taught because they realize that there is a spiritual formation that actually happens, right? And a lot of it happens unintentionally by us, maybe intentionally by others, but by us, we just absorb what is around us and what we are taught. And the last thing is our life experiences. Our life experiences shape us and form us. As we grow, whether we lose a parent at a young age, that radically changes us and transforms us. As we go through life and you lose a spouse, that radically changes us and transforms us. We are formed by the experiences that we go through. If you grew up in a family that goes through financial hardship, a husband or wife loses a job, and that has repercussions for the rest of the family, all of those experiences form us and shape us, gives us values, gives us a worldview and an outlook that is important to understand. And so all of these things and more, there are more things, there's just a few things that shape us spiritually. The question now is, if we want to be a follower of Jesus, if we want to apprentice with Jesus, how are we going to be formed spiritually? There was a Barna study done a few years ago that said this, that um, millennial Christians... That are committed Christians. These are not just millennial uh, committed Christians consume about 3,000 hours a year of digital content. 3,000 hours a year of digital content. Out of that, about 150 hours is Christian content. 150 hours of 3,000 hours of content throughout the year that is consumed is Christian content. The rest is, I don't know. That's a 20 to 1 ratio, right? What are we feeding ourselves with? Some of that can be very unintentional, but some of that can actually be intentional as well, the work of the enemy to feed us with things that will form us and shape us. We are unintentionally formed in so many different ways. We don't realize what's happening to us by the things that we consume, by the things that we read, the things that we see, the things that we practice. They're all changing and transforming us and shaping us to be the people that we are. And the question is, are we going to have intentional formation to be like Jesus? We need to be with him, we need to become like him, and we need to do what he did. So if we're to become like him, 
We need to understand who he is. And I want to share with you five big categories, I think, of the character of Jesus. Now, there's lots of things that I could say, and there's lots of other categories that I could classify this into. But I've classified into five big categories. And you could have subcategories underneath it. And you can probably argue that some of those subcategories could be separate categories of itself. And I won't argue with you on that because Jesus is so amazing and wonderful. And the beauty of Jesus can be seen in so many different ways. I don't think you can argue for maybe less than five categories categories, but you can probably argue for more than five. But here are my five that I think are significant for us to understand if we want to be intentionally formed by him. Here are five categories that I think that I can see in scripture of what Jesus did for his disciples. And you see the fruit of it happening later on in the book of Acts as well as they were with Jesus and then they became like Jesus and then they did what Jesus did. Here are five categories. The first one is compassion. Okay? When Jesus was in this world, he demonstrated and showed compassion like no one else ever did. It was amazing the kind of compassion that he showed. Here's an example. There was a man who was leprous. He had leprosy. Nobody wanted to touch him. Nobody wanted to get, wanted to get close to him. He was considered an outcast. He was considered unclean. And he came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, if, you, if you're willing, Jesus, you can make me clean. You can heal me. And it says here, Jesus was moved with compassion. And not only he was moved with compassion, he touched him. He could have just said, be clean, but instead he touched him, which was a significant act of compassion for a man who probably wasn't touched for many, many, many years because he was considered unclean. But moved by compassion, Jesus touched him. And he said, I'm willing, be healed. The disciples saw this. The disciples learned this from Jesus. By being with Jesus, the disciples saw the compassion of Jesus. They became compassionate like Jesus was compassionate. And then they did what Jesus did and showed compassion as well. Uh, uh, after Jesus died and rose again in the book of Acts, we read Acts chapter 3, after the day of Pentecost, Peter and John went into the temple, and what did they see? They saw a man who was lame. And what did they do? They had compassion on him. Silver and gold I don't have for you, sir. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. They had compassion. They saw what Jesus did, and then they replicated his compassion as well. The second thing is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Jesus displayed forgiveness like nobody else displayed forgiveness. This was such a beautiful characteristic of Jesus that he forgave people. And, and some of the religious people of the day were really upset at Jesus because he forgave people. They thought, who are you to forgive sins? Who are you to do such things? But, the, but Jesus showed radical forgiveness. There was a time when a woman was brought to, to Jesus and she was brought in the very act of adultery. She was committing sexual immorality. And they brought her to, to Jesus, and Jesus had forgiveness for her. Jesus said, stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Wasn't there even one person that condemned you? And she said, no. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Forgiveness along with the commandment to go and sin no more. The radical forgiveness of Jesus. And so what happened in, in the early church? There was a man named Saul. He was persecuting the church. He did so much harm against the church. He brought people out to kill them because they were followers of the way of Jesus. They were apprentices of Jesus. And one day, God, Jesus met this man, Saul, and his name was changed to Paul. And he became an amazing follower of Jesus, disciple of Jesus, apprentice of Jesus, teacher of the way 
of Jesus, but people were scared of him. They were like, are you sure? I don't want to have anything to do with Do you know what this guy did before? Do you know all the people that he murdered before? Do you know all the people that he killed before? Do you know that he came even to this place, Damascus, in order to gather up the followers of Jesus so they could be killed and persecuted? But the apostles, learning about the forgiveness of Jesus, what did they do? They accepted Paul. They forgave him for what he had done. And he became an amazing follower of Jesus. Number three, Jesus reached the disenfranchised. Jesus displayed something that was so amazing and countercultural that he went to the disenfranchised. He went to the outskirts. He went to the people that were on the margins. He went to the people that normally they wouldn't have been reached. He went to the unlovable. There was a time when Jesus was traveling and he needed some water and he went to a, to a well and there was a Samaritan woman that was there. And he went and he asked the Samaritan woman if he could have some water to drink. In John chapter 4, it says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. Why was the woman surprised? For the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. They were unclean. They were like, you're not part of us. We're, we're Jewish people. You are not part of us. Jesus went out to the disenfranchised. He went out to those that were the outcasts. He went out to the poor. He went out to the needy. He went out to those that were, that were leprous. He went out to all of those people that nobody wanted to have anything to do with. And he reached out to them. And so what did the disciples do? A few years later, after Jesus died and rose again and the gospel went forth, and now Gentiles, non-Jewish people, started to accept Jesus as their Savior. And that created a big controversy in the early church. Should these people who are not Jews also be accepted in the family of God? Should these people that are not Jews also, uh, shouldn't they have to keep the law of Moses? Shouldn't they have to do all of those things? And there was a big question, a big tussle in the early church at the point of a division but because the apostles learned the way of Jesus, because they were with Jesus and they had become like him, they knew what to do as he did. And so what did they say? Welcome all the Gentiles. You and I are seated here as Gentiles because of what happened in the early church that the early apostles were able to welcome all people. It didn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile. It didn't matter if you were a man or a woman. It didn't matter whether you were free or a slave. It didn't matter what your ethnic background or, or makeup was. It didn't matter what your sins were. It didn't matter any of those things. The invitation is open to everyone. Why? Because Jesus modeled that, and they learned that. Hospitality. I think, I think this is probably one of the biggest things that we see in the way of Jesus is hospitality. It's so important in our lives as well to model hospitality. We see in the book of Matthew uh, that Jesus called his disciples and he told them this was when Jesus was feeding the 4,000. He had a lot of people that were there, 4,000 men, probably close to 20,000, maybe more than that people that were there. And they were listening to the teachings of Jesus. And after he finished, he, Jesus felt sorry for them. Jesus had compassion on them. And he told the disciples, you give them something to eat. And they were like, how are we supposed to feed all of these people? But Jesus practiced hospitality 
And that radically changed the disciples' outlook as well. So therefore, in the early church as well, when there were different needs, what happened? The people came and they sold their land, they sold their possessions, they came and they brought everything to the apostles' feet, and then distribution was made to those that were in need. And there was a ministry that was there particularly to the widows to help them and support them. They learned how to practice hospitality because they saw it in Jesus. And the last thing is love. And I left this at the last thing because I think this is the climax of all of these things. Is that Jesus displayed and showed love like nobody else ever displayed and showed love. And he did this in a very specific action when he said this. No one can take my life from me but I sacrifice it voluntarily. He gave an example and he told the disciples, if anyone will come after me, if anyone will follow me, if anyone will be my disciple, if anyone will apprentice with me, let him take up his cross and follow me, right? And that's not easy to do. No, it's, it's a difficult thing. And so we, we get to this, this verse that Jesus says here in John 15, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus displayed that to the people. We can wait for a minute, a few minutes. Jesus displayed that to, all, uh, all, uh, to, to everyone. Jesus showed radical love, and he calls us now to follow. So let me ask you the question, how do we become like Jesus? This is, this is the question, right? The whole, this, this whole part is becoming like Jesus. How do we become like Jesus? Let me share, you a few, share with you a few quotes from the famous philosopher and Christian theologian, Dallas Willard. And tell me if you resonate with this. This is what Dallas said. He said, the general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. This is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it a reality. Does anyone here resonate with this? That we have good intentions that we want to change, we want to be transformed, but we are not able to actually do it? There's good intentions, I want to, I want to do these things, but I, I can't do this. Here's what Dallas says about, about spiritual formation. He says, spiritual formation in the Christian tradition, and, I, and he says your Christian tradition, because as I said at the beginning, we are all formed in some way or form. We are all shaped spiritually. The question is, how are we shaped, and how are we going to be shaped? Right? Because we are all being shaped, and we all have been shaped. Spiritual formation in the Christian tradition is a process of increasingly being possessed and permeated by the character traits of Jesus as we walk in the easy yoke of discipleship with Jesus, our teacher. That's what spiritual formation is. And so we read these verses today in, in, in 2 Peter, and it talks about this transformation with the climax being love, right? It says, for this very reason, make every effort. Now, I think you, you might get scared at this. You might say, well, Daniel, what about grace? Daniel, what about love? Well, Paul says here, or Peter says here, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and goodness knowledge and knowledge self-control and self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection, love. There is a growth in character. We have these trees that are up here. We have trees in our, in our graphics here. Why? If I plant a seed today, is, tomorrow, is, is there going to be a tree tomorrow? No. 
it takes time. I can't think my way into holiness. I can't say today, I'm going to be holy tomorrow, 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 and all of a sudden I'm holy tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. I can't say I'm going to stop this addiction, I'm going to stop this addiction, okay, that's it. And then I'm, I'm free. No. There is an apprenticing with Jesus and a practicing of the disciplines. Dallas's famous book, Spirit of the Disciplines, highly encourage you to read it. You cannot speed read that book. You cannot read that book at normal speed either. You got to slow down and read that book. It's so dense, but it's so good. The Spirit of the Disciplines. We are all being changed and we're all being transformed. And it requires some effort. Dallas said it this way. I like this quote. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. We don't earn our salvation. We don't earn God's favor. But there's an effort that we have to put towards spiritual formation. There's an effort that's needed in order to be able to to grow. So here are five things that I just want to close with that I think are important that will help us to become like Jesus. Okay? Number one, transformative teaching, right? The teachings of Jesus are transformative. That's why it's so important for us to study the word of God, learn the word of God, be in the word of God, memorize the word of God, um, read the word of God on a daily basis because his teaching is transformative. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's the constitution of the kingdom of God. It's probably some of the most important chapters in the word of God. It is radical teaching of the kingdom of God. It is something that is far above every other teacher that the world ever had. The, the Sermon on the Mount is the climax of Jesus's teaching. And at the end, he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, follows, it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on Solid rock. Are you going to build your house on solid rock? Transformative teaching brings life transformation in our lives. The second thing is powerful practices. And this is, this is the spiritual disciplines. This can be Sabbathing, fasting, praying, reading the word of God, silence and solitude. There's so many spiritual disciplines that can help us to grow. Like the tree, help us to grow, okay, to be like Jesus in 1 Timothy, Paul says this, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. My father-in-law is here today, and he's a marathon runner. He's run a bunch of marathons, including the, uh, the Chicago Marathon. We went to see him run the Chicago Marathon. Now, if Daniel said, I want to be like my father-in-law, tomorrow I'm going to go run a marathon, what would happen to me? I wouldn't last I wouldn't last a couple of kilometers. But if I wanted to run a marathon, what do I need to do? I need to train. I can't think myself and say, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow, and all of a sudden I'm going to run the marathon. It doesn't work that way. And spiritual growth, practicing of the disciplines, is the means by which God matures us to become like Jesus. Sacrificial service is the third thing. It's a catalyst for growth. As we serve, as we do what Jesus did, it transforms us and it changes us. As we apprentice with Jesus, as I shared last week, if you're an apprentice, say you're an apprentice to an electrician, you go out and you start doing what you're actually learning. If an apprentice learned everything that he can just by looking, would he be successful? No. The apprentice actually has to do something. And so you have to do something in order to be able to, to grow in your spiritual life, in your spiritual walk. In Luke chapter 9, it says, Jesus, he sent out the disciples 
to tell everybody about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He didn't say, just hang out with me and that's it. That's all you need to do. No, he said, be with me, but I'm going to send you out as well. I want you to learn. I want you to serve. I want you to sacrificially serve. And that's why he says, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to be a follower of me, if you are going to apprentice with me, then take up your cross and follow me. If you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you seek to lose your life for me and for the kingdom of God's sake, you will save it. Then, refreshing relationships. God puts us in community. As some of you are in life groups, sometimes it could be mentorship as well. But relationships cause us to grow and mature. It keeps us accountable. It helps us. God is not, does not want us to journey in this pathway alone. But he asks us to journey together in community. And the last message in this series will talk all about community. But these refreshing relationships are important to us. Here's an example in the book of Acts. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him speaking about Apollos, preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. They saw this man, Apollos, and he was trying to follow the way of Jesus. And so Priscilla and Aquila became mentors, became teachers of the way for Apollos, and he was able to understand the way of God even better. There was a relationship. There was a journeying together with them. And lastly... Exceptional experiences are so important in our spiritual journey. There are things that will happen to us exceptionally that will shape us and change us and transform us. A couple of weeks ago, we had our our praise service, and in that praise service, uh, Vanessa shared an experience of God answering prayer for her. Vanessa, that was an exceptional experience, right? And that shaped you and has transformed you and changed your outlook. And that's, things like that can happen to us. Exceptional experiences can happen to us. This is through the power of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us. These are exceptional experiences that can change us and that can transform us. It changes our outlook. It changes our worldview. It even changes our theology at times as well. So we see God more perfectly and more clearly. It's so important. And, and these exceptional experiences are not always just good experiences. Sometimes they're hard experiences as well. Paul says it uh, uh, this way in the book of Romans. We can, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Even through the hard times and the difficult times, they shape us, they transform us. The loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, a sickness, a difficulty, a hardship, a problem with another family member, whatever it might be, these things are exceptional experiences that shape and mold us and transform us, friends. And we have to yield to those things. Do we want to be like this tree that can grow? See, unfortunately, in the, in the Christian world, and if you're here and you're a visitor with us and you're new to the way of Jesus, um, I, 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 I thank you, first of all, for being here and exploring the way of Jesus. But for some of us maybe that have walked with Jesus for many years, for some of us maybe that have, have, have professed and claimed that we're Christians, the, one of the problems in the Western world is we've created a, a dichotomy of following Jesus. There's one pathway that says, okay, I'm a Christian and I prayed the prayer and I'm, I'm good. And, you know, every once in a while I'll come to church and I'll give some money to Jesus and I'll do this and I'll do that. And we say, okay, we're a Christian. But there's actually something that's completely different that's called being a disciple that's called being a follower, that's called being an apprentice of Jesus, 
that's actually the real thing. And we've created a false dichotomy that shouldn't be there. When Jesus walked on the face of the earth, it was, it was the disciples, and I'm not just talking about the 12 because there were 72, and there was, after that there were hundreds as well, but there were disciples, and then there was the crowd who just listened and heard. The question is, where are we? Who are we? Who are we becoming? Are we just labeled as a Christian, or are we an apprentice of Jesus, following his way, walking in the disciplines, being shaped and transformed through all of these experiences so that we can be like him. I like the way that the message translation translates this verse in John chapter 8, Jesus' words, if you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Stick with it. Unfortunately, sometimes we, we can be in church for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and then we look at our life and say, where's the transformation? Jesus, I thought you would change me. But we haven't done, made intentional steps towards that. We haven't put in effort. That's not against grace. But we haven't put in effort towards character transformation. It's so critical and important because we can look back at our lives and say, Lord, I'm just the same way that I am. Well, what have we done? What are the steps? What are the intentionalities of apprenticing with Jesus have we done and taken so that we can become like him? Have we been transformed with that teaching? Have we surrounded ourselves with refreshing relationships? Are we serving so that that transforms us and works in us? Have we been practicing the disciplines? We can look back in 20 years, 30 years' time and say, well, I'm basically the same person that I was before. Lord, I thought you said you were supposed to change me. Well, what have we done towards that end? If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples, for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth, and the truth will set you free. A lot of times we don't experience that life that Jesus wants to give us. He says, come unto me. I want to give you life and life in its fullness, life in its abundance, life in all of what I can give to you. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, stick with it. Stick with it. Are we just labeling ourselves a Christian or are we apprenticing with Jesus? I want to end with just this one question for you to think about and it's in our life group questions as well. Who are you becoming? We're all becoming something. We might be shaped by the culture around us. We might be shaped by the family that we're in. We might be shaped by the friends that we hang out with. We might be shaped by our education and our outlook in life. We might be shaped by our job. We are all spiritually formed in some way, many of us very unintentionally. And we've become who we are because of that unintentional formation that we've allowed in our life just based on our settings and our surroundings. But if you want the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Make some intentional decisions. On Tuesday nights, we're doing the prayer practice. We had a number of people join us last Tuesday to make intentional decisions to build out their life of prayer so that they could be with Jesus and become like him. Who are you becoming? Are you becoming just like your dad or just like your mom? Well, that's unintentional. And that happens because we learn from our parents. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing. 
No comment there. But who are we becoming? Are we growing like these trees that are here? Are we being shaped and formed to be like Jesus? Be an apprentice of Jesus. Follow his way. Yield to him. He can change your graves into gardens. Do you believe that? He can change your graves into gardens. But let's make intentional steps towards that. Let's all stand and let's sing to the Lord.